They're here again. It's episode number 88 of the Red River Horror Podcast. We've been talking about the best movies of 2022, what we're looking for most in 2023. And we've got a very special guest, the one and only, none other than Stacey Lane Wilson, coming to jump on and talk some, about some movies and a new book that she has. So remember to sit back, relax, and travel those channels of fear with us. It's the Red River Horror Podcast. Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by RedRiverHorror.com founder, Eddie Kayazo. Hi, Ed. How are you? Joe, I'm doing fantastic. We're here. What's it called? They're here. We're here. Yeah. We made it. We did. We made it. Another year. We did it. Welcome to 2023, my friend. Hey, thanks very much. Welcome to you, too. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got a very special guest with us today. we got Stacey Lane Wilson on the line. Woo! Hi, Stacey. Hi, thanks for having me on, yeah. Betty and Joe. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great to have you back. Right before we started the show, we were talking about some of our favorites from 2022 and some of our biggest disappointments from 2022. Mm -hmm. um, ah. It starts, obviously, we can, we were not going to go into it, but biggest, well, well, my disappointment firstly, was that we're going to, I'm just going to say it out loud. We said it before, we just said it. Halloween ends, major disappointment, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, Stacy. Yeah. before we get into how much Halloween ends sucks, how was your year? How was your yeah. 2022? <laughs> well, I had a productive 2022 and, um, yeah, put out a couple of books. Uh, the first volume of Rock and Roll Nightmares, True Stories, which is true crime and awful things that have befallen rock stars throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right up to present day. So, I love true crime and I love rock music. And so I kind of found a way to combine the, the two. And so, um, yeah, and then volume two is coming out this year. But uh, yeah, volume one and then a couple of other books uh, published and a film, which is not horror. So we won't talk about that. But I do have <laughs> yeah. a, a horror movie called Night of the Mannequins coming out in 2023. So that'll be fun. Cool. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. So, yes, Joe, now we can uh, we, we've been waiting for a long time to talk to each other and Stacy about the uh, what is it? The elephant in the room. I don't even know what the hell you call Halloween ends. What the hell was that? We, it's been a long time since we chatted. I don't know. And I, I just leave it at that. There's there's other movies in the franchise that really get, um, you know, they're not good and they get treated like that with Rob Zombie's Halloween, too. Yeah, I don't I've I've never yeah, personally. Yeah, at least Michael Myers was in Halloween too. I mean, he's yeah. barely in Halloween ends. True. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where it's the the positive for ends that I hear from the fanboys who just nothing can be bad. Right. Um, is just like, well, they just want to do something really creative, like a different artistic approach. And my argument is, if that's your excuse, then Rob Zombie hard Rob Zombie's Halloween too is a masterpiece. <laughs> going to like white pony and all that like you know making it his mother's his reason for aggression like let's relax it's like i it didn't need to be a trilogy it's one of those things where it's like can't we just have one good thing or maybe just a revision or a copycat kind of thing no no can't no, do that sorry but hey that's the way it goes 
And Stacy, yeah. so at redriverhorror.com, you had reviewed Halloween 2018 for the site. It was the first ever cuz you're like a real movie critic, like I'm, you know, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to try and dabble sometimes, but you're a real one, like a real live movie critic. So when I saw 5 stars for 2018, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, like I'm I'm so excited." And I went and saw it, and I was I was very impl- impressed. I was pleased. I was like, "This this is it. This yeah, is good." Yeah, the first one was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, there've just been a case of diminishing returns with each one. I thought, you know, the second one, it was okay, and uh, that was Halloween Kills, and then Halloween Ends, you know, it only got two votes. So for yeah. me, which is, you know, hey, there's something on the screen, so <laughs> that made a movie. That's a step in the right direction, but yeah, it didn't get five. Yeah. And I always try to find something positive to say about it. at least the cold opening for Halloween Ends was pretty cool with Corey and the accidental death of the. Oh yeah, that basic. was fun. Yeah, that was good. I know. Sets you up for yeah. something that looks like it's going to be pretty cool. At least they have you know the babysitter. They kind of circled back around to that yeah. trope, but then yeah, it's just really strange. And and why did um. Why did Lori keep trying to set her granddaughter up with that creepy guy? <laughs> right. Like, right. What was that? It's like they forged, <laughs> like you understand the basics of storytelling. Why in the world are we trying to create a very awkward and uncomfortable love story in the middle of this mess? Yeah. Like if you're going to try and do that, like you have to start in the second one or something like that was... That was bizarre. The whole dance scene, like it was bizarre. It's very odd. And you're seeing that a lot where these, you know, franchises are coming, like, you know, with their comebacks years later, the story's not really given enough attention, but, you know, it's still a box office draw. So I guess that's all that at at the end of the day, that's what really matters when they're producing this (laughs) stuff. So whatever I have to say about it's kind of meaningless, but. All right, well, I'll, I value my opinion. Well, I'll pick. No. So I agree with you. The cold open for Halloween ends was good. Uh, there was one other part I thought was really good. And that was um, and this scares me because I'm in a radio studio every day. But the death of the DJ, that was pretty wild. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. But he just kind of thrust into the story with no context. And uh, that was just kind of weird, too, I thought. Yeah. But yeah, they did have some a, a few good death scenes, which is obviously what we're there for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so our, we had we had to get we had to turn the page. If we were going to go into twenty twenty three, we had to turn the page on Halloween ends twenty twenty two. And it's, then just for like twenty twenty two, I think my favorite thing out of twenty twenty two was probably this X and Pearl, and wherever that's going. Oh, they're just it was just X was so much fun. X was really good. It's a lot of fun. And then Pearl was a lot of fun. It's like, okay, this is kind of like mindless, like the horror movies I love. Like, I'm not thinking too much. Yeah. I'm just entertained. See, yeah. Yeah. Stacy, how did you feel about X? I, I, I was. I loved X. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's definitely the 1970s was one of my favorite eras. And I thought Ty West did a really great job with the costuming and the music and the overall vibe of it. And it fun the characters were cool um i didn't like pearl so much um of course uh, mia goth is an excellent actor and it's always fun to watch her but um yeah that one wasn't my favorite it was a little too long a little too slow but um x is fantastic i enjoyed that quite a bit see i, I put the brakes on pearl because i i've watched that trailer and i was excited about pearl mm. but my thoughts are it's there's probably going to be a few animal deaths 
So I'm I, I'm going to yeah. have a few drinks or something before that. I don't, I don't like that. You know, humans, go ahead, eviscerate them. Animals, it's like, all right, hold on. Like, that's, I need to be in the right frame of mind for that, you know? Don't watch Cannibal Holocaust then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely stay away from that one. Yeah, real animal deaths in that one. It's like an animal snuff film from the 70s. Oh, my. And that yeah. director just died, right? Didn't he? He, he, he yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. so. He did. Maybe he's being tortured in hell by all the animals. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was like the <laughs> <laughs> That was like the movie you had to get your hands on when we were kids. Was You're like, right. Just right? Like, have yeah. you ever and heard about this? Death. Remember that? Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. Like, did you hear crazy. about that? Oh my god. Like I kind of miss that the mystery and like trying to find it in a video store or like yeah. get some like you know. Ah. Mom. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put the brakes on Pearl. I'll catch up, I guess, before the third one's out. Yeah. Um, but I liked X a lot. Thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I guess to turn the page on 2022, one more title because uh, the chick has blown up since then. The Scream 2022. I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Scream 2022. It was yeah, in the very was beginning fun. of the year. And Jen, what, Jennifer Ortega. Now she's yeah, Wednesday. Now and mm-hmm. she's wow. Yeah. yeah. She does a great job as Wednesday. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, like, the I, kids got talent, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, no. So, not a bad year for horror movies. Some good stuff, some underwhelming stuff. <laughs> um, does, would uh, the David Harbour one violent, would that count as horror? Yeah. I mean, it's gory. I guess it's horror. Yeah. Yeah, David yeah. Harbour is a maniacal Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all good. So, all looking good. ahead, well, Stacey, you already talked about rock and roll nightmares, true stories. Now, I remember we spoke to a few narrators. We actually did the whole trilogy, I think, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I believe we, we did. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We covered the fictional uh, part yes. of the, the series, right? So, it's a mix of fictional and true stories. So, now... You had True Stories drop. Now, Volume 2 is coming Mm -hmm. out on January 9th. Yeah. 2023. How do you feel about it so far? Are you excited for the release? Oh, I sure am. Yeah, the feedback to Volume 1 has been really great. Um, I was going to put it all in one book, but then it would have been like the size of War and Peace. So I've decided (laughs) to cut it into a couple of different uh, volumes. Now, this one has um, more murder. Uh, the other one was more like the, the volume one covered like the 27 club, um, plane crashes, suicide, um, things like that. Now the volume two uh, covers uh, rock stars who've been murdered, uh, rock stars who put out hits on other people. Um, mm. The satanic panic of the 80s. That's a chapter that I think a lot of horror fans would get into. And of course, that chapter is called Running with the Devil. Hey, that brings up yep. <laughs> one of my favorite bands. Do you remember my AOL screen name? There's always a mix of my two favorite bands. VH. So it was Black and Blue. VH that was 27. Yes. Well, VH2. Oh, VH2. So, so Black and Blue was the third album from the Backstreet Boys. They're my one favorite band. So this is so <laughs> That's random. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> VH is For Van Halen. Halen. So Backstreet Boys and Van Halen, I know it's random, but they're my two favorite bands. That's why it was wow. Black and Blue, VH2. How about that? There it was. Nice. So, so if you can dish on any Van Halen stories that 
happen to be in rock and roll nightmares, the true stories? Absolutely. Well, there are a few, but um, one of the chapters about um, rockers who were murdered, of course, uh, has to include um, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, who was actually murdered by a crazed stalker fan while performing on stage. And uh, Daryl had grown up absolutely loving Van Halen, being a huge fan, of course, of Ed Van Halen's guitar playing. And But he had never met his idol until about a week before he died, or maybe a couple of weeks, not that long. Um, and they hit it off great, and he was so excited. And he actually said, I can die happy now. And it's kind of like, uh-oh, be careful with what you put out there, because he was actually tragically killed on stage, which is horrible. I mean, like, yeah. if you... Yeah, I mean, the the stories of all the people that were there and witnessed it and the cop who actually, like, he was two minutes, he was on the scene and he he killed the the man that uh, murdered Dime. And um, so it's like just such a crazy story. But um, at uh, Dime's funeral, um, Ed Van Halen actually attended and he brought one of his guitars to the service and it was buried with Dime. And he said some really nice words about him as well. So, I mean, what a great guy. I mean, that's just, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he just met the guy like a couple of weeks ago. And he just really, like, not only fulfilled his lifelong dream while he was alive, but, you know, he kind of sent him a lovely token into the afterlife, if you will. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the ancient Egyptians who were buried with things that they loved mm-hmm. or that they might need in the afterlife. And uh, so I thought that was really a nice story. It is a nice story. I didn't know that. I did not know that. And I'm a big Pantera fan. So <laughs> I'm surprised that, like, yeah. I mean, the, the Van Halen influence is very noticeable. They both do a lot of pulling on the guitars. It's like, you know, dime, well, you know, get your pull kind of thing that he would say. <laughs> um, and he was also Diamond Daryl before they kind of exactly, ch- change yeah. gears yeah. into that more thrash <laughs> type, you know, different metal look. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's a shame, you know, his brother was there. It was, it's it's a shame to not know where he could have gone because at that point in their career, they're transitioning. They're called Damage Plan. I don't know if that project would have went on too long or if they would have been back in Pantera at some point or if that would have ever right. happened. Well, or, the, yeah. What the fan else? was yeah. actually pretty deranged, the person that shot him. Yeah. And he, he was mad about Damage Plan. He wanted, you know, he was a big Pantera fan and he just thought this was the wrong direction to go in and off this meds and the whole thing. I mean, it's just really, it's the story, but you know, that nightclub, um, went on and on for decades and it was just torn down, I think last year or the year before. So it's gone as well. And then another thing about it it was the same day as John Lennon too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. December 8th is something that I actually cover in both books. It's a very uniquely tragic date. Several, Strange things have happened on huh. December 8th to rockers and people in the rock world. So, yeah, yeah, that's one of the interesting things that I think I uncovered uh, throughout the series. Because when you take all these things into a whole, rather than just writing about one incident, yeah. you kind of see some really interesting, um, almost cosmic patterns to these things. And it's just really fascinating. So that's one of the things that is explored in both books, actually. Wow. So December 8th. If, if these, and this is, I'm not speaking out of disrespect, okay, (laughs) but I'm just saying, like, I'm just trigger warning. Sure. All right. If some of these people were involved with the devil, 
I'm a Catholic, man. December 8th is the Immaculate Conception. It is. So, oh, like, very strange. So, yeah. what is that? That well, That's like a, a either side of the spectrum. No, I'm not saying that Dimebag or John Lennon were, were you know, devil worshipers, but I'm just saying that's the same day of the Immaculate Conception. That's when the Catholic Church celebrates. Well, it must be like a really powerful combination of numbers. You know, a lot of people are into numerology and <laughs> do all kinds of charts and things on that. So, there must be something to it. Hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. If we, so I'm looking, you know, <laughs> so I'll have to put the book on my top list to learn a little more about the uh, December 8th date. So cool. Yeah. Some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, rock and I've roll. I've actually not seen anyone else come up with that. So maybe you'll only have, to, you know, you'll only read it in Rock and Roll Nightmares Volume 1 and 2. I, I haven't really seen anyone else make that connection, but someone must have by now. But I kind of lay it out and different way in the books i I don't think it's ever really been touched on other than people being like you know in the social media space being like r.i.p john lennon and someone just being a you know out of nowhere like me being like you know asterisk dime bag (laughs) daryl right right so (laughs) social media world it's easy to jump in there on the comments yeah just (laughs) a bit of a deep start a reddit thread or So that so yeah so we have um, rock and roll nightmares true stories volume two we covered on this podcast then at Red River Horror we covered the um, the fictional stories the sixties seventies eighties spoke with the narrators there uh, we're speaking with uh, rock and roll nightmares the author of true stories volume one volume two coming January 9th. I just wanted to say that um, because I of course had some questions that uh, I think other people that might be in uh, that we're looking to get into these rock and roll slash horror stories might be interested in. Mm-hmm. So are there any, uh, I, I guess it was, was it variety that wrote? Yes. It was variety who reviewed your first book. They said the perfect entertainment for anyone who's ever played stairway to heaven backwards to hear the mumbled phrase. Here's to my sweet Satan. Is there any stories that you've uncovered where someone actually did record something so that when it was played backwards, it would be something satanic or evil. Well, you kind of froze there, so I didn't hear the whole question. Oh, no. Okay. So sorry. No, no, no. It's so was there any band or any stories that you uncovered in your research that you've put to paper that has actually tried to record something to be played backwards with sinister intentions, whether that be devil worship or just something evil when they play it back. Like, did anybody intentionally try to do that? Uh, uh, there's denials all around. <laughs> say, no, no, we didn't do that. But, uh, you know, well, in the big court case in the mid mid eighties with Judas priest, when a couple of their fans killed themselves, tried to kill one person survived. You know, he lived only a couple of years after he blew off out of his face. But the attorneys tried to say that Judas Priest had put in the word do it, do it, do it in one of their songs on Stained Class, which is an excellent album, by the way. But it was actually a cover song that they didn't even write. Hmm. And there was no backward masking found. But it was kind of funny because the uh, their manager said, right, if we were going to put backward masking why would we have our you know fans kill themselves we'd say buy eight copies buy eight copies <laughs> you know or buy more Judas Priest merch or something you know it's kind of silly but also it's funny Led Zeppelin was the only one 
the more prominent groups that were accused of backward masking. And uh, Jimmy Page on talk show, he had said, God, it's hard enough to write a song the right way around. Why would you <laughs> backwards things on it? And then Robert Plant said, um, that's silly. Like, who would think of that? But actually, uh, one of Jimmy Page's idols, Aleister Crowley, the uh, famous uh, cultist, occult uh, mm-hmm. person from the 40s and 50s in England, he actually uh, wrote in one of his books about you should do things backwards because that's kind of a demonic thing. You know, the devil, kind of everything's in reverse. So actually, Aleister Crowley did think of that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's also what scared a lot of the uh, those that was like this. Wasn't he cited a lot by the groups claiming for the reverse? Like that was the source of the satanic panic was a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, Anton LaVey was a big kind of uh, media figure in the 70s and 80s. And uh, he was the leader of the satanic church in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, David Bowie was actually, you know, you don't really think of David Bowie as being someone who would be interested in Aleister Crowley, but he was too. Uh, his 1971 song, Quicksand, name-checked Crowley. Um, there's also the uh, Ozzy Osbourne song, which mispronounces the last name. Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, and it's, he's funny too, because of course he was a huge target in the 80s during the Satanic Panic, and there's a story about him where he actually, um, there were protesters lined up outside of one of his concerts, you know, holding signs and stuff. And he actually picked up a sign and joined the picket line and no one knew it was him. That's like how invested they were in knowing who they were protesting. No one recognized him and he just kind of joined in this joke. And it's just really fun. There's some really fun, funny, you know, lighthearted stories. And then some really awful ones, of course, about those poor um Judas Priest fan to shot themselves. Um, and there's also another story about um, an aspiring rock group that thought they had to um, sacrifice a virgin and they wound up killing this poor girl, torturing her from their Jesus. school. And so there's stories like that too. Yeah. I mean, I really try to give her a well portrait of the whole satanic panic and uh, also the 70s, you know, with just such a uh, sort of a renaissance time for the devil if you think about all the movies that came out like The Exorcist yeah. and The Omen and yeah that's kind of where it started and then the backlash came in the following decade. Yeah a lot of the entertainment became a lot more in your face in the 70s and into the 80s and has continued to evolve to you know keep pushing the limit every, well, every year. I had heard um, that The Exorcist that William Peter, Pla- Peter Blatty now he wrote the book and he also uh-uh produced the film. Now, I had heard that that was to scare the crap out of people to go back to church. That's what I had heard. Am I incorrect? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ashton I believe it. Failed, right? <laughs> yeah, it was based on a true story of an exorcism of actually a young boy mm-hmm. that happened in the 50s. Wow. So he kind of based, he used that as his springboard for the fictional account. Hmm. Yeah. That's one more thing on the humorous side of things that we're talking about, you know, for the Aussies version, Mr. Crowley. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there is a baseball player in Philadelphia who had to change his walkout music. You know, players pick the song that they come when they come up the bat. And he had Mr. Crowley. <laughs> it's usually they let it go for the season. That's the first time I've ever seen someone change mid season. Who was like, it? It's Pat Burrell. So he went from I, Mr. Crowley to Holy to Diver. Holy Diver. That's right. 
then he finished, and then he had to get, do something lighter, and I think it was uh, dirty laundry. Dirt, dirty laundry. Don Henley, his, his last one. <laughs> There's a yeah a story behind that too, because Don Henley, which is Nightmares Volume Two, he got caught with a 14-year-old uh, prostitute underage. Because there's a whole chapter too about the underage groupies and all that. And his response to the media covering that event till it was done to death was writing dirty laundry. Huh. Oh, so that song isn't as innocent as you thought it was. No, Pat, <laughs> Pat Burrell, Mr. Yeah, Crowley, man young with- girl uh, OD'd uh, on at his beach house um, in Malibu. And uh, so he was forced to call the cops and he kind of wound up calling the cops on himself. How about that? So, so was that the, that my dad has always said, Oh, you know, him and Stevie Nicks, they were into like devil worship, but like, he doesn't like, he doesn't fully grasp that, that concept. Like he's never fleshed it out, I guess I should say. So is that the only, is that the extent of the Don Henley, um, evil or, or is there more? <laughs> as far as I know, he's a very litigious person, so I don't think I'm going to say anything. So yeah. Not but yeah, I know Stevie Nicks, of course, her witch thing, you know, that yeah. was brought up in the, uh, you know, in a lot of the press in the seventies, Rolling Stone and Green Magazine and stuff like that. But she wasn't taken as seriously because she was just a chick. So you yeah. know, people don't really talk about that too much with her. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious because like it was, you know, that all that's a little before my time. And I'm like, do you think Strangers Things captured the satanic panic vibe? Because that's what they're going for with their most recent. They were. Season. Um, yeah. yeah, I actually stopped watching it um, after season one, so I didn't get into it that much. Oh. Of course, they have the Metallica, you know, yeah. the kid go, uh, playing his way out of hell, right? With the Metallica song. Oh, the Upside Down. Yeah, the Upside yeah. Down. Yeah, it brings back... Um, <laughs> you know, brings back the music. But yeah, I mean, that 70s is, you know, before my time too, but that's actually my favorite era of music. I love it. 70s. So that's really, you know, and I think that one of the things that I have proven or strived to do, uh, you know, is to kind of give a well-rounded view of everything within historical context and not make judgments, even on things like the underage groupies, because it really was a different time. And I, Try to explain that in the book, you know, how, why people were like that, why people did things like that. I mean, there are some things that are fairly inexcusable, no matter what era you're from or how you were brought up. Because in the 70s, um, Steven Tyler and also Ted Nugent actually legally adopted their teenage girlfriends so they could take them across state lines. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Where these parents are crazy, like signing yeah. over their kids to these rock stars for their debauch, uh, oh. you know, kind of I, I, <laughs> we, we just uh, had Ted yes, Nugent maybe. on the show. I mean, that wouldn't happen today. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> oh, my no. gosh. <laughs> and actually now there's, you know, the Me Too where the Julia Holcomb is the teenage girlfriend of Steven Tyler back in the 70s. And she has just filed a lawsuit like last week. Um, that's right yeah so hey better late than never for some of these people but then there are others like Lori Maddox who was a 13 and 14 year old groupie on the Sunset Strip and David Bowie you know took her virginity and she was a girlfriend of Jimmy Page and they were all in their 20s but she says 
you know, she doesn't regret it. There's nothing wrong with it. No emotional damage. It's all good. So there are different, you know, different kind of perceptions on things like that. So it's not all black and white. I try to show the shades of gray on some of these things. And, and that's always what I've appreciated about your work specifically. It, it both in the things that you write and the, in the work that you do for Red River Heart and other places is that we are it's like walking on eggshells. Like 2022 was like walking on eggshells and how you talk about things, how you write about things. You're always very fair. Like you always give a full picture of, of like a story. Like it's not that it's just like, Oh my gosh, he was with a 14 year old groupie. All right, we're out. We're not touching this. We're not talking about it. We're not like, you're not afraid to write about that. And I think there was a story you did for red river horror. Cause like it was the, time of woketopia or something like that and you spoke about yeah, exactly when it was still okay to stay woke but now it's not right, right. <laughs> and i've just always appreciate because it's like we can say okay victor salva is a very bad person we don't like him but at the same time like yes jeepers creepers was a was a good movie it was scary it was it was different at the time like you you were I've always, always appreciated that about you specifically is you're able oh, to thank you. Well, as a reader. I appreciate that as well. So I try to just put, I try to write things that I myself would like to read or that interest me. And yeah, I mean, that is an interesting, um, you know, all those kind of things where it's like one person is me too from a movie, but you have to figure how many hundreds of people worked <laughs> on that movie. And, you know, you ban the movie and then you, you hurt the actors and you hurt other people. Um, to me, I've always been able to separate the art from the artist. I mean, I feel like once the art is out in the world, whether it's a song or a movie or a painting or whatever it may be, it's ours. You know, right. the artist gives birth to it. It's like a child and it goes out in the world and it's its own thing. I don't really, I try not to connect it with the person. And that I think. I can. Of course, you know, we all have those, you know, thoughts like, oh my God, I can't, how can I watch this movie and not think of that? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it can be difficult at times. And, and that's what, but that's what I appreciated. I think that's kind of where it all came home to in that piece specifically was like, okay, if we're going to talk about, we can talk about how awful Harvey Weinstein and the Weinstein brothers are, but the fact is it's like, okay, do we cancel scream? Do we take away that movie because they produced it? Dimension Films? It's like, no, we can't. That You had said specifically that it belongs to us now. It belongs to the fans. Right. Like, that work belongs to us. And I've always appreciated There's a lot of people who are afraid to now tackle that issue and those issues and those people, some of these power players, like a Harvey Weinstein. There are people that are afraid to kind of talk about the art that was produced as a result of people like them or things that they've funded and you are not afraid to do that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because there was, you know, do you let one app, one bad apple spoil the bunch? I mean, think about all the other people who worked on it, you know, is it fair to them? To, right. You know, so, you know, get a, yeah, there's a lot to consider yeah. for sure. And I think that education is the most important aspect of any, um, you know, anything like this, you kind of have to educate yourself about these things before you talk about them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, talking about things that are our own. <laughs> so has anybody here had a glance at the uh, trailer for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? If you want to talk about <laughs> something coming in a oh my 2023, gosh. now that that's in the public space, like the license, Disney doesn't have that license anymore. And you can slap, make your own thing and slap the name Winnie the Pooh on it. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Very oh no! Well. So, so that, so Joe, t- so he was speaking specifically. Did you see anything about that Winnie the Pooh slasher film? Because Disney pretty much th- they don't own Winnie the Pooh anymore. So now anybody and like we, uh-huh. so it's in the public domain. Uh, yep. So Winnie the Pooh has entered the public domain and is has a 2023 release. Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey. <laughs> I gotta see it. Yeah, and, and it looks very silly. I was hoping, like, when it was announced that there would be a little bit of an effort to make it look like it was the bear doing it, but it's not. It's just big men wearing a, wearing a <laughs> oh, Winnie really? the Pooh costume, yeah, I, I a piglet I've mask. I've heard the title, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know much about it. It's funny. So there's well, gonna... did you hear about the movie? Actually, uh, a friend of mine wrote the screenplay. It's called Amityville Perrin. Interesting. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Amityville Karen? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I love the title. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> who, who could, could you say who it was, by the way? I mean, I know we could look yeah, it up. Yeah, Julianne Philpott uh, wrote okay. the screenplay. She's an actress as well. She's been in a lot of horror films, but this is her first screenplay. I just thought it was – you got to see the poster. It's really fun. <laughs> totally. I mean, so that's my sister's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, no. yeah. Nowadays. The hardest, but yeah, I know. The the I don't know. The best or worst part is that she's the complete opposite. <laughs> she's very nice. It doesn't. It's like not a complainer. Um. So yeah, I'll have to. But pop, she got it first. That I'll with give that. that poster for her. So. Yeah. Oh, the wow. care. So. Oh, yeah, it's been tough for her. Well, I guess Stacy, before we before we move on to 2023, because I thought that Pooh movie was supposed to come out in 2020. It was. It was supposed to be available by fall day. That's when we were going to watch it. Yeah, and no, I kept getting pushed back. It, but probably for a good reason. It's probably going to suck. That's just me talking, but it's probably terrible. But <laughs> is there anything Rock and Roll Nightmares, True Stories in Volume Two, and maybe even Volume One, if people need to catch up? Is there anything you'd like them to know? Um, about like, is there anything we didn't cover here that you'd like them to know before we move on? Uh, no, I would just say, you know, it's like, the it's like Hollywood Babylon, but for rock stars. So if you're interested in true crime and just really interesting psychological studies of people, um, you know, it's mostly rock musicians, but also kind of rock adjacent. So I do have the story of, um, the soul singer, uh, Marvin Gaye, who's own father murdered him and I go into some stories like that there's also some uh, question about whether or not Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols whether Mm. or not his mom kind of euthanized him with heroin to save him from going through a trial for the alleged murder of his girlfriend there's all kinds of really interesting stories about the motivations behind why people do what they do which is also I remember I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was reading as Jerry Only's encounters with Sid Vit. Like, I think he was out with them right before they died. Or at least he claims Jerry Only from the Misfits claims that he was the last person with them before they died. I don't know if you ever heard that. <clears throat> no. I don't think it's true. I mean, he's kind of known to be a bit of a... <laughs> Maybe not. I was like curious. Yeah. I was like, because I've, I've only read it in like some subreddits yeah. and stuff like that, like from him in a personal interview. People be like, there's no way. That he was the last person? Yeah. Well, Marvin right, Gaye. Yeah. So I already listed my two favorite bands. My favorite solo artist of all time is hands down Marvin Gaye. Yeah. I, I, yeah, what a great voice. And just... 
wonderful lyricist. And, you know, I mean, he had problems too, like a lot of these people. It's also kind of interesting to study that era of the 60s and 70s where you were considered weak or not, you know, like if you had a drinking problem or something, people judged you for that, or if you had a drug problem and why they had these issues, because just imagine the grueling lifestyle. I mean, of course they had to take uppers and things like that to kind of get through the day and they get hooked. So there's a lot of different, uh, you know, historical context as well that I like to put into the book. Cool. Yeah. I was always curious if I could have been a fly on the wall in like CBGB in the 70s. I bet like just the stories that come out of that, even that area of New York still has like some like I think a few of those bars are now all closed up. But I did get to go to a bunch of those where it's they kept the the vibe and keep it. I don't know how they did it being in Manhattan with keeping the cost of drinks way down. But it's like, I mean, right. it's hard, hard not to get into trouble in that area. Like <laughs> right. it was yeah. designed to get intoxicated. Surely there was a lot of enabling back then, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really fascinating. And then I got a question for you before we move on, because I was reading this. Um, Some of the, like, a good reason to buy this, this, some of the proceeds are going to Sweet Relief Musicians Fund? That's true, yes. A portion of my profits for all the Rock and Roll Nightmares books go to Sweet Relief Musicians Fund, which is a really great charity, 503C organization and um they actually helped a friend of mine danny amos from low straight jacket um he got really 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 sick before the pandemic and um had major health issues and they you know got a fundraiser together for him and and paid the hospital bills and the medication bills and all those things like that he would have been totally out of commission because um you know a lot of musicians don't have health yeah they're just kind of on their own yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So I wanted to make sure we had that in in our recording. Absolutely, so we yes, can I'm promote that. My uh, karmic checks and balances in order. Hopefully, I'm writing about all these <laughs> totally. Problems. Yeah, but also trying to be helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, I've always dreamed of being a rock star, and then I had to get a job with health health insurance. So sorry, man. You know, <laughs> right. We yeah, all I had to prioritize that. <laughs> that's that's why I became a DJ. I didn't have to learn. I, I once I started getting into the harder stuff, playing the drums. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm just take <laughs> other people's songs and mix them together and make people happy. That works for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> very cool. Sweet relief musicians fund. Yeah. Them. So that's 501 C three nonprofit charity. Cool. Look yeah. Them up. yeah. All cool. right. So dun, 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 dun. 2023. 2023. Yeah. 2023. Woot, woot. Pop the champagne. We're here. here. And then we already dropped it once. I mean, the cover for this movie coming out on January 6th, Megan. And that's the James Bond movie. I mean, if you check out the trail for this, I was like, like, I I was uncomfortable just looking at that doll, I guess is what it is. Right. Yeah. It's a very realistic, lifelike doll. (laughs) Apparently wants to end other people's lives yeah it looks like a good one james Bond has always been fascinated with dolls and creepy you know of course you remember dead silence but um i was uh able to interview him several times during set visits and things like that and he said that one of the movies that terrified him as a kid was um oh gosh a blank right now the Toby Hooper movie, uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh. Um, yes, really? I need another cup of coffee. Poltergeist. Remember when the dolls all come to life? And yeah. The girl and the clown. It's so creepy. So that I guess really affected him, and so he's always been kind of going back to that um, 
that nightmare image that he had as a kid. And so this one seems a lot more sophisticated and updated, and it just really looks good to me. I get to see it um, actually, gosh, tomorrow is the screening, so I'm really excited about it. That's exciting. Cool. Well, that will be today when the podcast comes out for everyone listening. Today, super yes, cool. That's right. I'm <laughs> no, traveling. No, no, that's that's uh, that's cool. I just I still have this problem. We went over this with Jeffrey Reddick. All right, I just all right. Poltergeist. It's fine. It's a fine film. Now I love James Wan. He scared the crap out of me my entire from the basement days watching movies down here when we saw Dead Silence. That scared me. Saw was amazing. The first one. Uh, the Conjuring was well done. They probably had the best exorcism scene I've ever seen in a film. What is the fascination with filmmakers that I like a lot and they like movies that I think are eh? Like Jeffrey Reddick's was was Nightmare on Elm Street. Like he loves that movie. That's the whole basis for his horror existence. And now James Wan with the poltergeist. What do you guys think of poltergeist? I, I have to get this off my chest. I've, I've touched on it before, but like poltergeist is good. It's not great. How does it inspire someone like James Wan? You got to see it's, it's a horror movie that was designed for the family. That's the big difference. It's like, you could watch that as a real, at a real young age. And I think that's how it was marketed too. Cause I think mm -hmm. it's only rated PG. But that's, that's but that's yeah. before the PG third didn't didn't Spielberg but have Spielberg something to do? It's designed to be like here's something that everybody can be together and watch, like because okay. you got to think about where horror is going there. I mean that's you're coming out of the seventies. You know the slasher slasher genre is built and it's like oh boobs and gore, knives, boobs and gore. And it's like, like you can't sit around and watch that together. Toby and people want to be entertained and boom. I mean. Poltergeist. Anybody can watch that. And a guy like James Wan probably saw it at a young age and it leaves that lasting impression. So I think. Yeah, it, I think it taps into, yeah, a child's uh, fears. And there's something just that makes an impression on you when you're a certain age, when you're young and impressionable. And I guess it just taps into your psyche and stays there because, you know, even after they're grown up, that probably wouldn't scare them if they saw it now for the first time. But as a kid, it just really had an effect. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 where it is. Is like if you saw it. At so like, the market. So you're saying that just the audience size was just that much bigger being a that make as from a marketing side. I understand that. So the audience size was that much bigger. So kids and adults and everybody saw it. So that means that there's more of a chance that those that a larger amount of people liked Poltergeist. Yeah, I mean, makes if, you, if you saw it at, like you know at a at a younger age, I mean that's when yeah it's gonna stick with you. I don't it's, get it. I don't. I I, I I like Poltergeist. I don't love Poltergeist. Everybody's like, oh Poltergeist. Even though we even named this episode, they're here again. Yes, <laughs> it, it's clear <laughs> the the inspiration that Poltergeist has had. But at the same time, it's not that great. It's good. Yeah, I I think yeah. You, I mean, there's you, another Toby Hooper movie from right around that time that I like much better. The Fun House. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> you got to check Write it out. It down. The fun yeah, that's House. That's a really good one. And, but that's very underrated. Not many people talk about that. But, you know, it had more limited appeal, I suppose, than Poltergeist. Like what you said, Joe, is that, you know, it was families could go see that together. Yeah. I mean, that was the way to do it. I'm sure there was plenty of kids wanting to go see Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. And their parents were like, yeah, no, no effing way. Sure. And then, you know, Poltergeist comes out. It's like, okay, we can all go see this. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. That's that's logical. You know, I can dig. Yeah. It's just I, I never understood the the 
the, the poltergeist, like all the classics that are always named in the top horror movies of all time. Like I get it. There's something that I understand. It's like, okay, I can see that. Okay. I can see that. But nightmare on Elm street and poltergeist are the two that I just don't get. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get people's fascination with them. I, I, I respect them for what they are and that they are that loved. But yeah. Anyway, sorry for the rant. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So that's Megan. And then I was I was drawing a blank on the last movie James Wan had, and I actually enjoyed that too. Um, the one where she has the thing living on the back of her Ma- head. Malignant. Malignant. That's yeah. it. That was that was the last James oh, Wan yeah. film. That's yeah. It's a weird, very uneven, tonally uneven movie, but it definitely had some effective parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If not not bad, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was you know, just kind of weird well sick i was like all right it is it's like james wan channels david cronenberg or something <laughs> yeah i guess there was an element body heart that yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i was in a very uncomfortable position when i watched that film so it's not the film's fault i was literally sitting on the steps like kind of passing out just i know that sounds weird but it was just a long day and it was on so i put the, like i put it on but there were people sitting in my living room so i ended up sitting on the steps you know how um, i do yeah. so, so like i i can't really fully remember malignant but that's mm-hmm. crazy that was james wan's last one yeah hmm. yeah i'm not gonna like go down like the entire list because there's a ton of content coming getting released so yeah 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 you know I well, just, like, well i'll go back to 2022 real quick i'll just say that i saw nope and Stacy, I remember you actually, you at the the LA Film Critics Association. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering the name of the organization, but you guys were the first to recognize Jordan Peele's Get Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's yeah. before they were he he like won an Oscar for the screenplay and all that stuff. And I will just tell both you and Joe right now, I like Jordan Peele a whole lot, but for me, after watching Nope. And us, like since Get Out, like I don't know why Get Out was the one that's winning Oscars. To be perfectly honest, my Jordan Peele rating so far goes us, nope, then Get Out. Really? Yep. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved us. I mean, you so know how much good. I really liked us. Um, yeah, I mean, Get Out's really well written. I mean, really like well acted. Everything about it's pretty spot on. I mean... Clearly, I'm missing the mark. Two different kinds of movies, though, because Get Out is more of a personal horror film where something is happening to one person, whereas the Nope kind of tackles the cosmos and aliens. And so it's like a much more uh, all-encompassing type of horror that could affect the whole world, whereas Get Out is just more concentrated on a person. And I feel like you can relate to that person a little better for me but uh, I do need to see Nope again I think you know it's one of those movies I believe that has hidden layers that you kind of uncover as you watch it more and more I was a little underwhelmed I loved a lot of the aspects of the filmmaking part of it I liked the cinematography and the and the acting and the locations and how they put it all together and there's some really interesting subplots but I don't feel like I really got it the first time so i'd like to watch it again mm-hmm. that's where i i was like i was blown away at the spectacle of it that's where i was it was like so being a philadelphia and i remember the first time i went to we had a business we had a world's competition we were covering in mesquite nevada so the first time i flew out to vegas that's where we started then we had to drive to mesquite 
I, as a Philadelphian, had never seen like red earth and like just mountains of red and brown dust, like I guess. So for me, that that is fascinating. So maybe, maybe I just I appreciated the spectacle more than the story itself, because like seeing out now, Stacey, you are from L.A. Does it look like that outside of the city proper? In Nope, like how uh, Nope was? Absolutely. Well, now I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, so I have actually seen uh, Red Rock Canyon and the Valley of Fire, where they shot uh, Beastmaster, and they shot some Star Trek episodes there in the 60s. It does look like an alien landscape in a lot of ways, and it's very unique terrain, um, unlike any other place in the world. So, yeah, I can see how that could be definite you know, grounds for something really creepy to happen. But I don't know. I mean, there's really no place to hide. I guess maybe behind a rock or something, but <laughs> it's not like, you know, you can like in a forest or something where it seems scarier to me because there's a lot of places that you can hide. But I don't know. The vastness of it, I guess that's why he, you know, did it with uh, spaceships and from out of space coming in and beaming down these lights that, Kind of, yeah. well, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. <laughs> Very War of the Worlds. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I I just I just really enjoyed it. That was a 2022 film. Yeah. Sorry. I guess you're the most plugged in. Uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of films upcoming, Stacy. So is there anything on your radar 2023 that RedRiverHorror.com fans should be aware of? Uh, yes. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm going to see Megan, which I'm looking forward to. And, uh, later this month, they're screening the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. Mm -hmm, So about that, he's always kind of hit or miss for me. Um, so I'm curious to see that. Um, and then of course the third high West film in the trilogy is, uh, should be out this year too. Yeah. The, uh, the Knock at the Cabin though, I mean, really interesting cast. Whereas he's that Dave Batista, the Rupert Grint from like R- Harry, yeah. Ron Weasley, yeah, yeah, wow, it's got a really interesting cast. I'm curious to see, like, not get the cabin. It looks like it could. You just never know because all of his stuff advertises so well. It does. That's he right. has he has the best marketing team of all time. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like he's still doing films. Uh, he does have, of course, the Apple series. Uh, forget the name oh of it, servant but. yeah yeah i like that that's very good um but yeah a lot of these filmmakers are going into tv now so that's yeah. really where i think a lot of the best horror is well i know that i know that m night Shyamalan does not he does not take kindly to being criticized so because he's a philly guy <laughs> And he loves our area so much. I'm not going to criticize him. That's what always makes me curious about where his filming locations are. Yeah. So like, I don't know where knock at the cabin was filmed, but I was like, it should like you, you know, you live in Philly. Mm -hmm. Your family has a cabin in the Poconos. In the Poconos. You got to be feeling that vibe. Knock at the cabin. Yes. Even though we've already experienced that once. We have. Except the people already knocked and broke the glass and. That's true. Left. (laughs) Yeah. Stacy, there's a short we're coming out. So we there's a short that we're coming out with that will be loosely based off of a real life experience. Yeah, we we used to we used uh, I guess. So we were in the Poconos. We went whereas everybody went to the Jersey Shore for senior week. Mm -hmm. Joe and I are best friends like we've known each other literally our whole lives. Um, And so we we on senior week, we started, you know, we both could drive. 
So us and two other friends went up to um, the Poconos. My family, my mom's side of the family has a cabin up there. And it's a small, you know, one floor, uh, what is it, three bedroom, one bath cabin up in the Poconos. And that's where we went for senior week. So that kind of kicked off. We're both 18 years old. That kind of kicked off, I would say, a strong decade of Joe and I. Just going up to go up. Just going up, you know, watching horror movies, telling stories like drinking, whatever. <laughs> um, so, but now it's like, it's, it's, um, well, the scary part is you get up there and before you get, you get to the breaker box to get the power on, it's just pitch black. Right. And so we were coming up to the door, the door's locked. We got the key. I got a flashlight on the door. And as you're opening the door, you could see that the glass was broken. And then there was a, but there was blood behind the mm -hmm. curtain and it's as if someone punched through the glass and tried to let themselves oh in. Yep. Wow. So, but with but the prop, the weird thing is, is like we were, like we would be the type that would see a movie at like eleven o'clock at night. We were the people that would leave for the Poconos at midnight or whatever. Yeah. So we just uh, happened. You're kind of asking for trouble, aren't you? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like so, it was what like four a.m. by the time we got up there when that happened. Something like that. It was is a uh, it was odd, but apparently was the blood fresh. Was he the person or the creature still there? <laughs> we didn't see them. So it was dry. The blood was dry. So the thing is. The real story, not to take away from the horror that we have coming in the short, but the real story, um, like when we got up there, we obviously called the cops. And so the Poconos at that time was going through. It, it wasn't like right now it's popping. It's a big tourist destination for New Yorkers and Philadelphians again. Like it's it's completely rebounded. Yeah. But at that time, it was not. It was in a very lull period like some of the restaurants and the businesses were closing up it wasn't a happen in place so what was happening is some of these people i won't just blame it on them i'm sorry for your fans up in new york but it was a lot of new yorkers coming into the poconos <laughs> and they were like squatting in houses so they tried to get into our cabin and were unsuccessful that was the real so he punched That's through the good. thing yeah. there was dry blood on the curtain but well, yeah, maybe yeah. there was something in your cabin protecting it. Maybe, but this all inspiration <laughs> for hopefully this is the year <laughs> we <laughs> we uh, we get into production and yes, get our short film ready to go. Because because nice. yeah, that's what we're we're it's we've had success on the festival circuit in the past, and actually I know you've had a lot of success um, this past year, past two years actually with the films that you've released, we've had success in the past of our stuff getting picked up by some top 100 um, festivals. So this okay. will be the first time we've worked together on something dramatic, but we need it to not look like crap. So we need it to look really good <laughs> and we need the actors to pull it off. So that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're stuck right now. We need, we need what people. What kind of runtime are you looking at? 15? Yeah, I would say max that's 15 good. minutes. Yeah, that's perfect for film festivals. They're always looking for something a little shorter. I never really understood like the 35 to 40 minute short. Might as well just make a feature at that point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we learned that. We learned that the, uh, <laughs> we learned that by making one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
you're like, damn, it's hard to get picked anywhere. It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that in between. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so good. You learned 15 minutes. 15. 15 minutes. The name of the game. And that's also why I'm more interested in Knock at the Cabin. I'm curious if he filmed it in the Pocono area or where he chose the. So I, I won't get into the specifics because this gets into my day job a little bit, but there are a lot of people pissed off at M. Night Shyamalan. He's the one that got $5 million of this PA, like this tax credit, this money. Mm -hmm. So the greater Philadelphia film office, um, had a lot of, uh, support for M night and not a lot of support for the independent filmmakers Um, here. So I can see why that would be an issue. Yeah. So there's people, there's people that are not that happy with, with M night and the state of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and their filmmaking tax credits and whatnot right now. So. It's tough because I'm sure he brings a lot of jobs to the area. Absolutely. Where he films, so it's like, <laughs> Remember yeah, James yeah. McAvoy and Ambler eating at the cupcake place? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's serious stuff. Yeah. So, anyway. But yeah, so Knock at the Cabin. Looking forward to that one. That's February 3rd is the release date for that. Oh, nice. Um, I might try and steal a screener copy or maybe I'll just knock on the door. His daughter's my cousin's next door neighbor. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey, can I get a copy of that real quick? Why don't you, instead of getting... I'm definitely not going to do that. I'm not going to... Instead of doing that, why don't you get him on the show? (laughs) That would be the better play. We can try. I mean, I've got like more than more connections to him than just that. Then you should do that. That's the play. The play is to get him on the show. And whether the film's good or not, we can, you know, like... All he wants to do is be loved, so we'll we'll love up on some M Night. We will. <laughs> I mean, he shot Six Sense, shot like right a mile from where we grew yes, up. Yes, so, where we yeah, grew I mean, up. Come our on, neighborhood. Really? Wow. Yeah. How fun! It's like seeing all those streets. Be like, I know where that is. And also, <laughs> just a quick note: Denzel Washington in Fallen, also also filmed in Maniunk. He ate lunch with the kids at Dobson Middle School. My, oh, really? my wife's cousin Brian was one of them. How about that? Yep, Denzel. Oh, I like that movie. That's a good one. It's a good, that's a good one too. I I think that is yeah. one of the most underrated flicks from that John time. Goodman, it is right? one of them yeah, for yeah. sure. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, here's another fun one, Ed. You're not going to have to wait too long for your follow up to Scream. Scream Six is scheduled for March 10th. Yeah, I don't. I liked Scream Five or whatever they're calling it so much. Yeah, and there's a little drama behind this one now because I think we're not getting no. Uh, it's like how many people are not going to be in this one? I don't know. We'll see. That's probably for the best, to be perfectly honest. Probably. I don't know. Probably. I mean, what do you guys think about the Exorcist uh, remake? So, that supposedly, David Gordon Green, our friend. I am terrified, <laughs> Stacy, and I'm going to tell you why. So I'm saving that for like my big, like, dear God, like what? It's and it's going to be a trilogy. They've already announced that. I've already seen him do it one trilogy where it's just kind of like, yeah, you, you probably could have just left it at the one and let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's with the source material. I like here at Red River Horror, we both genuinely love The Exorcist 3. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. So I don't know if they're just going to be taking the source material from the original trilogy or are they going to do it on their own? I don't mm-hmm. know what to expect. The thing that scares me the most is... I hope they don't try and add too much cringy humor in it. For example, in Halloween Kills, the Johns, Big John and Little John. Like, yeah, it was stupid. Unnecessary. Right. Like, no. I don't need that. I don't want, like, please don't do that to The Exorcist. 
That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. That's that's like the things that scare me the most about it. You know, and with modern technology, like there's just so much potential. <clears throat> but I'm just I I I would hope it'd be like Gus Van Zant's uh version of Psycho. Like just do a complete shot for shot remake with updated <laughs> updated tech. I don't know. You can still go wrong, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, do you have high hopes, any hopes, or just going to wait and... I'm going to wait and see. Yeah. yeah. That's all we can do for that one. I, I mean... Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so just as long... If there's not any of that cringe-type humor in it, I think it'll be okay. Um, okay. The remake that I am very much looking forward to, I think it's still coming this year, if it's still getting pushed back, if it's just off the block at this point, was the Salem's Lot remake. Oh, oh Salem's yeah. Film. Yeah. I would really like that to happen. <laughs> it's like, I, was did Toby Hooper do the? I like one of the Salem's Lots. It wasn't the Rob Lowe one. It was it was old. It the was, one with um yeah, what was his name? The uh, David Soul was he? He was in that one, right? Is he the writer guy with the blonde hair? Yeah. He looked yeah okay yes dude I awesome. liked I liked that a lot. I saw that on Shutter for the first time in in years. I hadn't seen that in a long time. I loved that the Salem's Lot. I was like, this could, yeah. I could watch this at Halloween times. This this works. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that one actually happens. Yeah. Um, and then you get out of the hundreds of short stories and novels that Stephen King has written. Why do they keep going back and remaking the same ones over and over again? I don't know. And the voided, so to speak. I mean, uh, you know, it, he's got some great stories that haven't been made into films yeah. yet. I mean, Hulu had such a clever show going with Castle Rock where they were taking like his stuff and kind of manipulating it into like this yeah. other yeah. small town main universe. I thought yeah, that was like really that. neat, but I don't think that's I haven't heard anything about a third season for that. Well, Stacy, you're more of a reader than I am. What would you think would be a Stephen King story that would translate very well into a film? Uh, well, there were quite a few short stories in the skeleton crew, but I'm just not the best person at like remembering <laughs> titles of things. So I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, he had a lot of really neat short stories. There was one, I want to say it's, of course, about rock stars, which is always like, you know, kind of my go to. But I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, gosh, what story? Hmm. So few has a, well, of course, he's a very prolific writer. So many books that haven't been um, been made yet. So I, yeah. I, I guess it's just like I've seen so many remakes of remakes that I'd like to see something a little more original. Um, yeah. I think I think that's what the market is calling for right now. Is like no more remakes. More original content. Well, clearly with Halloween Ends, there was Screen Rant did a hilarious thing. I caught one of their YouTube videos on the Halloween Ends pitch meeting. It was it was really, really good. It was funny. I would like to copy okay. what they do and make fun of some other things. Anyway. Yeah. But here's another one that I'm looking forward to in 2023, and that's Evil Dead Rise. Hmm. Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah. So, I mean, talking about not original, but not a remake, but at least something in that universe with like a fresh take kind of thing, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the Evil Dead franchise has actually had some of the most successful um, spinoffs and, and reiterations 
um, you know, the television show, the Ash show was fun. And yeah, um, the, yeah, the Fede Alvarez remake of Evil Dead. I really enjoyed that too. I thought that was good too. Yeah. I enjoyed I that. The TV show ended prematurely. It got canceled before it could have like a yeah. proper finale, which is a real shame. There's no one with yeah. enough money in the horror space to let them finish it. Apparently not. I mean, it's one of the things where you could probably get a damn crowdsourced funding. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, know. I think that there's a fan base that exists to see it end properly. Yeah. yeah hmm. We 2023. We have a ton of stuff coming our way. I think we, you're getting another Saul. You're getting. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Another Saul movie. Okay. Um, a ton of content. And then, of course, what I'm looking forward to January 15th, we're talking about TV shows. It's going to be the Last of Us TV show on HBO. Hmm. And because, like, I, you know, I don't play video games as often as I used to. I don't but, like, at all. Um, when Google gave me the free trial for Stadia, mm-hmm. which is getting shut down soon. But really? Way, yeah, yeah. Google so, can't support Stadia? They don't want to anymore. <laughs> so I got to try like the newer Resident Evil games. I'm like, I was about to have a heart attack. I'm like my blood pressure was going through the roof playing a video. Like the video game was scary as hell. Mm. <laughs> like they did such a good job with it. And they like The Last of Us, first time I saw it, like I was just, I just sat on the couch and my buddy Joe was booting up this video. Like I thought we were watching a movie. And it was like 30 minutes long, the introduction. And I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what is this? He's like, The Last of Us. I'm like, this is a movie? He's like, it's a game. And he starts playing. I'm like, what the hell? And in the thing about it is it's a, you know, we're going into apocalypse, you know, zombie apocalypse kind of thing, but it's different. And the virus is different. So a nice fresh take on a, okay, on the that kind of genre. I'm glad that you're excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I just I haven't played video games in so long. There's been it's been a long time since Resident Evil Two where that thing crawled across the window and I was like, oh I'm that telling you that you need to watch just the opening to the first video game. You'll be All like, right. what the hell? Like, right. Yeah. The last so, of us. Yeah, that whole space, we haven't covered it enough. No. But we'll have to like I'll have to show you a bunch of stuff. There's a market for it, about. clearly. It's incredible. I, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Like the the immersive feel of it of things. Like I don't know how I don't know how long I can handle that kind of thing. Because, you know, two years ago I did the immersive haunted house. And then right. now like with like VR and stuff, it's like how much more is it gonna be? And then at what point do I have to have like the ambulance on speed dial because I had a heart attack from <laughs> some kind of horror video game. So so yeah, so <laughs> Stacy, that 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 is I'm glad you brought that up. In here in Philly, there was this group called Spectra Pulse, and they created this. Now, we are a haven for, now I'm sure you experienced this in LA, but in Philly, we are a haven for haunted houses. We have like just a lot, and and they're good too. Like we have Bates Motel, we had Eastern State, we had, was it Creamy Acres over there in Jersey, Jason's Woods, Field of Screams. It's amazing. Like it's just a hub for a lot of live events like uh, oh, fall events I didn't know that. so this one group here uh, spectra pulse created this it was an immersive horror experience where joe was brought in and like literally had to not solve this crime but kind of the story unfolded as he went through each stage okay yeah so basically i got i got in like you know if you're Willing to get into character and go with it. I mean, it's a very intense experience. Like, I felt like I was acting the scene, and that's the more 
into it I got, the more real it started to feel. Yeah. It was pretty intense. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, so that's 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 where I'm probably, and that's as far as I'm getting into games. Yeah, no, but no, but I'll, we'll we'll bring Joe, we'll bring Big Joe Griff on the good. good yeah, we got plenty of people that we can talk about. About that. the Last of Us. Um, and then is there anything else that you're looking forward to in 2023, Stacy, in the horror world? Other than you know, uh, <laughs> I think I, I've about covered the highlights there. Yeah. I can't think of cool. anything offhand that I'm really right. excited about but you know something pop up at mid-year that you didn't really remember coming out in the fall so that's really kind of when they save the big guns for anyway around halloween so that's yeah true yeah well yeah. then well then to wrap real quick we will wrap up for sure because i know both of you are looking at me like ed when are we finishing up so <laughs> it's all good um but it, did a24 get involved with friday the 13th i don't know We'll I'm up. just, I mean, we can look it up, of course, on Google. I was just curious if you guys knew anything about that. I'm sorry, but your feed keeps freezing and then I can't hear you. So I don't Damn. know. Oh. <laughs> so eight, so the two things I just mentioned, A24 and oh. Friday the 13th. Are they involved? Oh yeah, no, I haven't heard about that. Okay. Um, that would be interesting. They I are. Could, I could get behind that. Okay. That's right? A, it's a prequel right. TV show that's going to be on Peacock. Uh, Crystal Lake. Ooh. Okay. So it'll be, it's a mini series that'll be. I can F's with that. For like 24 and universal. Yeah. So All right. that'll be on Peacock. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Again, I say you're both looking at me like, all right, Ed, <laughs> it's been great. It's been fun. Let me the F go. So I appreciate both of your time with all this. No, honestly. Well, thanks for having me back. I always love to be on the show and anything to do with Red River Horror, I'm down. So podcast so thank you thank you stacy greatly appreciative yeah. get her book rock and roll nightmares true stories volume two coming out january 9th catch up on rock and roll nightmares the true stories we covered the the 60s 70s 80s the fictional ones here but you there's a whole if you like the true devil, crime rock, rock and, and roll. roll all that Come stuff yeah we Come love on. it we love it all right so uh happy 2023 both both you guys yeah yeah with you Here's to uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been episode number 88 of the Red River Horror Podcast. And remember, folks, to keep traveling those channels of fear.